With us today is Lisa Headley, Ayurvedic practitioner, founder of the Mayflower Spa. This is Lisa Headley's strategies for dealing with stress. Yeah, it's been one of those weeks. Oh, I have no stress. No stress at all. No stress. <laughs> uh, yes. As, 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 as is the, the case with the rest of it. I don't think, I think everybody is prancing around out there totally stress-free. I think that's probably accurate, except me. Ah! Uh, every once in a while, I think that I listen to myself and say, what is she talking about? Some stress is good for you. No, it's not. Because quickly, some stress can become, oh my goodness gracious, you must be kidding me, kind of stress. So just to be personal, on a personal note, I was blithely going along thinking, oh gosh, these practices are working so well for me these days, even in this transition of the seasons, everything is going peachy keen, I'm able to get to my work, I'm able to attend to family, I'm able to feed the dogs, life is good, and then I stubbed my toe. I smashed my toe, trying to avoid a dog, into the door, and you know, of course, it broke the pinky toe, and it's hugely black and blue and incredibly painful. And I'm thinking to myself, huh, everything, all those good feelings came to a screeching, resounding halt. And I thought, oh, I can't deal with another thing. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh. So I thought, hmm, what do we do about that? And then I realized that's life. That's what happens. You're going along thinking everything's perfect and then everything's not perfect and then everything feels like it's gone to hell in a handbasket. So what do we do? Well, we redouble our efforts at practices. This is my theory. I'm sorry, folks. But really, the only way I know how to deal with it is to go back and say, okay, what is feeling out of balance in my world? What is feeling cockeyed? That one little thing, and not that stubbing a toe is a little thing, because it really, I mean, stubbing, I hardly stubbed it, I broke it. Um, it's not that it's a little thing, but in the scheme of things, it's not a huge thing. And it shouldn't be enough to, to set my whole world a kilter or off kilter. So, you know, I, I guess the, the moral of this story is that every once in a while, you get, I can get, com one, can get complacent about drifting along in this kind of nice space where things seem to be going well, and you become unaware. And when you become unaware, stuff happens. And when stuff happens that you're not aware of, or you're not aware of yourself in relation to, then it's overwhelming. But when you can put yourself back in relation to it, then the toe is still broken and the events that are happening around me are still happening around me, but I have some sense of being able to cope with them and deal with them and put them in a perspective that allows me to go forward without totally freaking out on said family, dogs, etc. And And what's important around that is, uh, seriously, there there have been a lot of external issues or blocks or factors that have thrown, that that, that have done the either figurative or literal equivalent of slowing you down with a broken toe. Hmm. You know, because there are people who have slipped and fallen and, you know, and broken. Trips have had to be changed, uh, promises and commitments, plans that were made. Exactly. You, you know, it, there is a ripple effect, and that's to put it mildly. And then it affects, um, you know, a bunch of other people. So the ripple is even bigger, and um, it is very hard not to be 
um, uh, reactive. And so I think what you're talking about is important because there is an understandable, it's a legitimate tendency to just want to go, ah, okay, that's it, I've had it, and start reacting instead of, and this sounds a little wooey, but you know, taking a breath and reassessing and figuring out how to move forward. Yep. And so I guess that goes back to one of your age-old strategies, which is stop. Yeah. Yes. Stop. Stop. Because when things aren't going right, there's something that's going wrong. Oh, my goodness. Now there's a profound statement. But it's true. And so you've got to sort of back, back it up and think to yourself, well, what's going wrong? Well, you know, it's funny with the case of the stubbed toe. I thought to myself, you know what? I'm rushing around. I'm trying to do three things at once. I'm rushing around. The dog was in the way, smashed my toe, but I was rushing. So I was able to immediately identify and pinpoint something because I stopped and I, and I said, ha, I can't blame the door and I can't blame the dog. And I certainly don't want to blame myself, but you have to figure out what's going on that's creating an environment where things aren't going right. And as I always say and remind my children and remind myself, if a lot of stuff isn't going right, you can't blame everything else and everybody else that's creating those conditions. You just have to look at yourself in relation to them. So it requires, as you say, that stop, look, listen, breathe uh, idea so that you can back it up and figure out how to go forward. So, you know, it's like, it's like the old roadblock analogy. Your car gets, hits a stone in the road. Well, you cannot drive over the stone in the road without ripping out the entire undercarriage of your car. So let's call it a rock, okay? A rock. So let's back up and go around it. So it's, it's very simple. You know, these, these things are not complicated concepts, but when you're in the middle and when you're feeling really besieged by gosh only knows what aspects of your life, and there's always many that plague us all, including weather, including, you know, As I'm looking out the window, red, blood red moons and, you know, well, sort of bizarre that, that, things. To me, that was so media. I, but I spend lots of time looking at moons and, you know, there, there, there are different moons. Uh, I think that more obnoxious is April uh, 16th and snow on the trees, which is, you know, right. just, so just dislocating. Well, that's what I mean by the weather or anything else that might pop along to make you go, oh, my lordy bee, what but, is going on here? But those oh, my lordy bees, what happens is they are externals and they are, um, they can definitely inform a mood. And once your mood is informed, shall we say, another yeah. profound statement coming up. Then it can get deformed. <laughs> really quickly. And you're, ba yes. you're, you're back to that cascade effect. Yes. And exactly. once again, if you are reacting, you are going to be less um, centered than if you aren't. Right. And you know what? I was thinking uh, mostly because I'm working with this woman that I, who I really like. I've just started talking to her about um, scent. She's a, a new f person I found who works with essential oils and scent. And I go back to a strategy that I've loved for years and years and years. When I first started the Mayflower Spa, we created something called an olfactory mantra. 
And I thought, you know, words, the, the point of a mantra that you repeat to yourself, the words, is to, you know, to sort of make friends with those words. Those words take on a power in your mind and in your psyche and in your being and in your very vibratory consciousness, if we can be so wooey. Um, but that's true. And so the same, I thought to myself, has to be true of scent because scent is a vibration. It's a different kind of vibration, but it's a vibration and it affects your senses. So I developed then this roll-on scent thing. You know, it's not rocket science. There's many of them out there now, I notice. But um, I created a, a, a particular scent that I thought was very, what we call an Ayurveda tridoshic. It worked for all sort of people's constitutions. But um, I think it worked. It worked because... Uh, it worked for me anyway. It worked because it was a scent that I could go back to. I could either roll it on my skin or I could just simply remove the cap and sniff it. And when I did that, I was taken back. It's like, you know, Proust and the Madeleines. I was taken back, not to my aunt or whatever it was in Proust, but to a feeling of peace and quiet. So I would use the scent. I would identify a time when I felt really quiet and comfortable, like after a meditation, after a great yoga practice, when I was happy, and sniff it. You know, that was my exercise for a couple of weeks, just getting that scent associated with good things. And then whenever I smell that scent, it, to me, is very calming. Now, there are also real reasons why scent is either calming or exhilarating or whatever, and we can go into that another time, but scent has real effects on the physiology and the mind. So you have to be careful what you choose, but mostly you can go with whatever appeals to you. And so I have a, a new version of that, which is, this, it's crazy, but it's a friend of mine, another friend of mine makes soap. She makes this gorgeous sandalwood soap, and I just keep the soap in its package on my desk, and it's sandalwood, as I said, and that's very mind-calming and, and opening of the consciousness. So whenever I feel really freaked out or like, oh my goodness, I have to back this up, I have to stop, to your point, that's my stop scent, this little <laughs> bar of soap. But everybody um, has different stop scents, right? Well, A, you have different ones that appeal to you. B, you can, as I say, or as I, I hope, I think, um, develop a relationship to the scent. So it could be a simple essential oil like sandalwood, which is, you know, can be very calming. Lavender, which is a classically calming one, chamomile. It could be that, or it could be a blend. You know, there's a couple of people, and in fact, I think on um, that I'm going to start to develop a, a project right. with this woman about this, where you can develop your own scent. You, know, you can go to somebody who's very knowledgeable about essential oils, or you can go out there and pick one that's already a blend that already exists that you like the smell of, and then develop your relationship with that scent. But there's something, and I, I've been encountering this quite a bit in the last week because people have been so stressed out. So there's, so I want to, I, I, I want to ask you about that. Everything that you're talking about, including stopping and developing your own scent, and requires that people, and this is not profound, but it is tricky get out of their own way long enough to want to fix the thing. And we've talked about this before, but there are people who are more wedded to the familiarity of their individual stress right? than not. I mean, it's just like that. that is sometimes more comforting than not being stressed. At least that is what I am observing. <laughs> if you have the opportunity of not being stressed or of being stressed, people are voting for being stressed. 
because it's a familiar they they they, they would rather uh, have yeah. the intractable problem and say well, I don't oh know yes that it's 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 that much of a choice process i'm not sure it's as simple as they would rather i think they're entrained to it it's what's familiar it feels comfortable and that's not necessarily what is good for them or not even necessarily what they would be most pleased repeatedly experiencing but it is what's familiar and the familiar is comfortable and it's hard to it's scary to break away from that so that's another conversation about habits so you're addicted to your stress addiction is a habit and that it might be worthwhile a a habit that it might be worthwhile to break free from potentially Okay, but it's 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 the kind of habit you know. It's not a comfortable. It's it, comfortable is not an efficient word to use with it because it's not comfortable. The the, the people that I'm thinking of are are uh, commenting about how uncomfortable the discom- how 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 not comfortable they are. Yes, but a lot of times those people are also uh, addicted to, if you want to keep using that word, or comfortable with being in that constant state of discomfort. Right, and that's what I'm talking about. How do you take someone who is comfortable in that state of discomfort, which I think is the most uh, responsible way of putting it, uh, how do you convey to them that there may be a more efficient way of doing business? I I think that it's a process of people experiencing different ways of being and understanding how that makes them feel and how it plays on them. So, you know... Taking a retreat is a great way. I've seen this with many, many people, clients, friends, colleagues, where they go off, they they choose, well, you know, you choose a retreat. And in some cases, it's been retreats that people in a million years, I would have never guessed would have done. A client of mine came to me and said, I'm going to go do a silent retreat. Now, this is a person who talks nonstop and is completely engaged in the world, is a very, has a big career and is constantly engaging with people and seems to love it. And I thought, Excuse me? I thought I'd heard wrong. But nope, that was what they decided to do. And they went, and it was life-changing because they realized how that quiet and that sense of peace and that meditative state and all that stuff that would happen to you in a silent retreat felt good and felt better than the racing and the, and the incredibly, quote, you know, busy, busy, busy life that they were leading. So something led them and probably... You know, we had been, she'd been my client for a long time and we talked about issues of being busy just to be busy and da, 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 da. But somehow that dovetailed into her hearing about and then finding it interesting to go off on this retreat and the retreat made all the difference. First of all, it was long enough to change some of her vibratory patterns because, you know, you do it for a day and, well, that's not really good enough to change your habits in any significant way or to even give you enough of a glimpse. Um... But she was there for just long enough to say, whoa, this feels much better. I can see a way to feel better. And it involves this. So, you know, some of it is you can bring a horse to water, but you can't make them drink until they're ready to drink and until they're ready to, you know, work on certain issues or habits. Because habits die hard. They really do. And they grab you back. I've seen that happen, too where people are on this great path of practices or a new way of being or a diet or that's good for them. I don't mean dieting. I mean a new way to look at their relationship to food. And they'll be going along for weeks, even months, thinking this is great, this is great, this is great. And then boom, they're snapped back into their old pattern or their old habit. 
So, uh, you know, this is, it's, it's a process. It's a mental, physical, and emotional process of changing your relationship to the world. So there's a lot of work to be done when you're dealing with three big aspects of your being. Right? So this is why I like the yoga nidra practices so much because they address that mental, physical, and emotional qualities in ourselves all at once in one, in one practice. And it's, they all have to be unraveled to be helpful. Whew, that's yeah, a lot of work to do. It, 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 <laughs> it exhausts me talking about no, it. I'm like, oh, boy. But it, but it is a lot of work to do, and it almost it can be as daunting as just being aggravated and letting the aggravation you, – you, the, the problem with staying aggravated is it's, it's almost like a, a, a varnish. It stays, and then you put another layer over it, and pretty soon you're fairly, you're, you're, you're fairly well encrusted. That's a little bit of what we're dealing with here right now because the external world isn't so um, gentle at the moment. Uh, I, as you have, your toe notwithstanding, I know a lot of people who are up against their core issues. This is one of those core issue times where you either have to slow down to move forward or whatever the individual situation. And the fact is, yeah, you know, this is an interesting thing. I mean, given that, that you know, it's, it's this, another one of these seasonal change times. Mm-hmm. And I, a friend of mine just went, a friend, just went off to Iran to visit with family and relatives. She's uh, from there. And in fact, we just put a post about it up on the website today. And what was so interesting to me was, uh, among several things about the trip, that I just didn't realize this, that in Iran, the new year is the spring. So they take two weeks, and people go on their spring holiday, and it is the celebration of the new year. But the new year used to begin in spring. The, right. No, I understand. You and I have talked about it a lot, but I didn't realize that in Iran that's still the case. And so off they went to spend two weeks with their relatives, basically celebrating the new year at a time when your body also wants to celebrate the new year. And we, we do talk about this at our new year when we go, why are we celebrating? Why are we doing this now? How can you possibly like, get motivated about the new on January 1st? <laughs> exactly. So, you know, I, I think about that and I think, wow, if we had some rhythms in place culturally, never mind support systems like family and extended family that's you know incredibly important in those cultures, um, we would be much more supported in a net of, of understanding. Yes, it would, it would be more natural. And right then and there, you wouldn't have that, sort of, that, that, that disjunctive um, sense where you're trying to get motivated in the dark, of, in the dark and hardness right. of January <laughs> as opposed to yes, it's aggravating with the snow outside now, and it reminds of January, but it was 70 degrees the other day. You could right. see the grass so greening until it... This of snow, always. We always get this. It's that, like, final thing where you go, It's a little oh. late for that final wump. This, this right. is almost under the heading of April surprise. Not quite because the April surprise actually took place, I don't know, 10, 12, quite some time ago. And it was many inches and no power. But the, the, the point being that you still have different expectations for April. But at least you're in a transition, whereas in January, uh, no. The, your, your biggest thing to look forward to in January is the January thaw. 
before February comes and really does right, really wonks yeah exactly <laughs> so and the only reason you know this, this this sounds slightly flip except that to be for everything to work properly you do need to be in uh, some state of agreement if nothing else with your external world you have to be because otherwise since you have to move through your external world every day whatever it looks like um you are going to get fussed it's Im- it's 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 just immutable universal law i think that that is correct <laughs> but meantime you know when this stuff whacks you on the head or your back foot to the beginning toe, or your right. foot as the case may be stop stop take a look around take stock figure it out know that tomorrow's a different i mean uh, tomorrow is another day no i but know two people who true. did that this week you know I, one on monday they just said that's it it's not i can't cope i surrender it's okay i'm pulling myself i i'm taking myself out of the game right now. i'm going to the sidelines there's nothing wrong. I, I'm not. If you're in the middle of surgery, you can't do that. You know, if you're the doctor and you're performing surgery, you can't stop right then and there. But there are many cases where you can just say, "Okay, I'm just going to back. I'm just going to take myself out of it for a second. I'm getting too affected by what's going on. I'm going to stop." That's right. You've got practices by the galore that help with that. I think, though, and what I like about the scent sticks um, or scents is it's always good to have something that can help you do it in the moment because it's not always the easy. You can know what you need to do, but that doesn't mean that you're going to do it. Correct. That's right, a whole so, other level. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's – um, but the basics, basic, basic, basic is when life wonks you stop for a second. And try to get recentered. Is that? I mean, what, well, yeah, what? but some perspective. It's really just perspective. If you want to use just a regular old word, awareness and perspective. Awareness of yourself in space, in time, in relation to the people and the things around you, so that you know it's not useful to sit around blaming. In my case, the dog who was in the way, because if I hadn't been rushing around, I wouldn't have tripped over the dog and banged into the door. It's that simple. Right. Annoying. It's also taking responsibility when I say it that way, actually. But that's another story. And, and so, responsibility. I will limp along <laughs> for as, a week or two. As, as, as unstressed as possible, and you will make the necessary adjustments, and, you know, and we'll go from there. And that's, that is so true, and that's so <laughs> that, – that's life, you know? It happens. Yep, Exactly. Thank you very much, Lisa Headley, Ayurvedic practitioner, founder of the Mayflower Spa. Lisa Headley's strategies for dealing with stress. Lisa can also be found at lahlife.com. Thank you.
हमारा सुकून 